evening. Uh, I have preserved my voice. I think it's a mite bit better. What do you think? Maybe y'all suffered through this morning. You're talking about, man, he's got to get better. Can't get any. Can't, you, you didn't have your hearing aids in this morning? All right, good deal. So, all right, well, let's do a little more studying. Some of what we're going to talk about this evening, you know, is going to roll from, from this morning. And then as we work through these messages, Sunday morning, Sunday night, throughout December, they're all pointing to Jesus, which all Scripture points to Jesus anyhow, Old Testament and New Testament. But you'll see that some of the overlapping. And uh, so so no handout tonight. I know you give y'all a break. Even last time I just gave you a Scripture Jason's going to help me on the on the board. If you have your Bible, I'll give you the scripture. If you want to look at it uh, ahead, of, uh, just be ready. It's going to be in Luke two verses ten and eleven, and Luke nineteen being the New Testament. Uh, Luke two, and then so those are the ones I'm going to be heavy on. Now some of that I had this morning. I will reference some Isaiah as well as it. But if you have your Bible, you want to go ahead and look in Luke two. So let me ask you a question: Why do we prepare. Preparation is something that we all do, but the question is, why do we prepare? To be successful at what we're doing. To be successful at what we're doing. Huh? To be ready. All good answers. What else? Why do we prepare? Why do you prepare the field, Brother Myron, to plant? To do it correctly. Looking for the harvest, right? That's why we prepare. Don't start right, you ain't going to finish right, all right? Why don't we prepare some more questions? Why are the children in the back preparing? They want to be ready. They want to be good. They want to, they want to be honorable. They want us to prepare. Every single chapter and every aspect of this study that we've been talking about and every message that I have preached this year. Now, this is the thing. This time last year, I didn't think I knew I was going to be the preacher and the pastor at Pine Hill Baptist Church. I'd have been called by Terry to preach. So I, he asked, can you fill in a couple Sundays? Not knowing who I was or ever heard me preach. He was a little hesitant. I could tell it in his voice. I think there was desperation. I said, yes, I'll come and preach. But, but I prepared. I prepared for that Sunday. I was pretty nervous. Y'all didn't notice that, did you? That first Sunday, I was a pretty nervous fella. Walked in the back not knowing but one or two people here. Jason met me in the back. Basically, told me where the bathroom was, and that was it. <laughs> Get ready, buddy, because you're going up. After the choir comes down, that's when you're to go up. But let's just think about it. If you think everything I've been preaching all year, significant importance, and help God's words to help us understand his unconditional what? It's unconditional love, man. The way he loves us with the things he's done for us. What the Bible says about him. His unconditional love. I made that point in almost every single uh, message I've preached. Helping us understand the preparation that God took preparing Jesus to enter into this word. He prepared for this to take place. And that's what we're talking about on the nativity. That's what we're talking about in the Christmas story. God prepared. He took time and prepared. Even though time is not something... Of God, He has no. There is no time of God. But the thing is, is He prepared for us to have a Savior in this world. Now, this week we're going to focus on what is conceivably the focal point of God's love for us. And and so this this one centers around 
Why call him Savior? So why do we call Jesus Christ Savior? Now, if you were here Wednesday night, we talked about what? The name of Jesus was what? Emmanuel. Emmanuel. What does that mean? God with us. So now, why do we call him Savior? There's over, and I told you this this morning. Excuse me. There's over 300 names and titles that describe Jesus. In the Bible, you'll see more than 300 names or titles that describe Jesus. But let me tell you something. And I tell you that the name shows characteristics. It tells us who he is. It tells us things about him. It tells us what he is. It tells us uh, the presence that he is. But not one of those 300 plus names can confine Jesus Christ. They can't confine God. They can describe characteristics about him, but not one of them can contain him. All right. All right. But the name Savior provides a vivid reminder to us of God not leaving us in our sin. This is the name that, that is different than Emmanuel. This is the name that's different than some of these other names. Savior means that God did not want to leave us in our own sin. In our own sin, our own sinful selves. He wasn't willing to give up on us. So it's Savior is the name he chose for that. All right. So let's ask you another question. What is in a name? What is a name? Let me ask you something. Everybody's had a child or everybody's been around children. How long does it take you to select a name for an upcoming uh, arrival of a child? At least. It's going to start before that. Miss Mary, how long will it take you to decide a name on that new puppy you're going to get? You see what I'm saying? So, so why does it take so long to come up with a name? Why? Because of what? Names aren't to be taken for granted, right? It's got, it means something. I'm going to name my child, name my, my puppy. I'm going to name anybody. It's got to have some, it's going to attach to that person. It's going to, uh, when I hear that name, I'm going to think about that person, right? So what's in a name is it's important. Sometimes we use family names. Sometimes we, we, we pray on a name or we study a name. We buy books and books, and then we look for names. But then we, we take family names. But all these things are important, all right? Now, names can't be the same. Me and Patty trying to think of a name for our child. Well, no, we can't call them that because so-and-so has a child named that. Right? Y'all ever done that? Don't want them to, because I don't, that child, man. No, can't use that. You ever seen that child? Man, we're not naming my child like that. huh? So that name must reflect that, right? So it's important. The names are important. Choosing a name for an expected child takes months of discussion and research to find just the right name. But the name Savior describes God's purpose in sending Jesus Christ to this earth. It's going to describe the purpose. Now, let me show you something. The incomparable Lord Jesus Christ is called. These are names. Now, I'm not going to give you all 300 because we'd be here a long time. But listen to these names that Jesus Christ is referred to. Titles or names that he referred to. The Lamb of God. Who called him that? John the Baptist. The Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. The Man of Sorrows. The Prince of Peace. We talked about that this morning. The Good Shepherd. David refers to him there. The Mighty God. Bright and Morning Star. Emmanuel. Dayspring. Rock. Judge. Bread of Life. King of Kings. Teacher. Rabbi. Light of the World. Excuse me, servant, and the only way to heaven. But the most important name of all these names is what? And I just told you. Why do we call him what? Savior. It's the most important name. It's Savior. All right, let's look at some things. To describe myself, 
I used to name Kerry Dinkins, Alton Kerry Dinkins, KD, Brother Kerry, Pastor Kerry. I've been called Doc, Doctor. And the only person that ever calls me this is Terry, and he refers to me as Brother Dinkins. <laughs> Nobody else has ever called me Brother Dinkins but Terry. But look at all the different titles and names that I have been used and used even here. All right, When you hear a name, you think of who a person is and their character. So when you hear any of these names, you think of me, right? You think of my character. You think of me. You think of my actions. You think of my words. You relate it all to me, right? He's either a good guy or he's a bad guy, right? You, th- is that not right, Miss Jerry? Huh? All right, all right. So you think of his character for this more, for most part, for the most part, it describes the person when you think of their name. Now, the Bible uses more than three hundred names and titles to describe Jesus, but Jesus can no more be contained in any of these names than you can contain the ocean in a collection of, of beautiful bottles. It's just that vast. All right. So listen to this. How do you describe the greatness of the Lord Jesus Christ? All right, so listen to this. Jesus is the name that shows the Lord's personality. You'll call him and you'll name him Jesus. That, show, that tells who he is. That shows his love. He's, it shows his personality of who he is, all right? It's the name his mama called him. When she called him, she called him Jesus because that's what she was told to name him. Emmanuel is the name of his proximity to us. Emmanuel is the name that shows where he is, how he's standing right next to us, that he's being with us, that he's walking with us, he's God with us, that he's everywhere we go. You can't leave him anywhere unless you want to leave him. If you want him to go with you, he'll go with you everywhere you go. All right? He wants to be with you. It's Emmanuel. His position in relation to us, God with us. How close is God to you? How close is Emmanuel to you? And I ask you that, I'm asking you about when I say Emmanuel, I mean Jesus Christ, God with us. But you think about it, how close is he to you? Is he just close to you when you're sitting in the pew in the church on Sunday morning, a Sunday night? Is he with you Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday? How close is he to you? That's what's important. Now you're going to need him. We need him, all right? So let's look at some more. But Savior, oh, what a name. Oh, what a Savior. That sounds like a song. Y'all ever heard that song? Oh, what a Savior. If Wesley was here, we'd get him to sing it for us. Pam, Matt can play it. You know that song? Huh? Jason, can you pull it up on YouTube? I'm just, just kidding. Oh, what a Savior. All right? The name of the Lord's earthly mission. The reason Jesus Christ came to this earth was to be the Savior. The Savior of the world. We're gonna, I'm going to give you some more questions. All right? So let's look at that scripture. Okay? All right? Luke 2, verses 10 and 11. You want to put that up, Jason? Luke 2, verses 10 and 11. So let's look at this together, all right? But the angel said to them, don't be afraid. Let me hold up right there. Why would the first thing the angel say to anybody be, don't be afraid? Because what? Yeah. I mean, it's something different. If the angel steps up next to you, what's the first thing you'll think? Uh-oh. Is it my time to go? Huh? Huh? Yeah, hold up. You're supposed to be over there. Not my time yet. Don't be afraid. For look, I proclaim to you good news of great joy will be for all the people. I proclaim to you. I'm telling you. I'm the messenger. All right? I'm going to give you the good news. Good news is going to be the gospel of Jesus Christ. The Savior of the world has entered into your presence. All right? Good news. Great joy. We've talked about joy. Anything related to Jesus Christ is, is joy. 
if we're, the closer we are to him, the more joy we're going to gain. The more we're going to have true joy. Okay, great joy for all people, all nations, all people. All right. Today in the city of David, a Savior was born for you, who is the Messiah, who is the Christ child, the Lord. All right. That's our passage of scripture we're going to start with. Jesus took the title of Savior and gave a new eternal meaning to it. The title defines his life and it defines his death. I'm going to explain that to you because Savior talks about his life and it also talks about his death. Now, if we look at Luke 19.10, can you put that one up, Jason? Luke 19.10 says this. For the Son of Man has come to seek and save the lost. Now, we're going to park in that verse for a minute because there's some, there's some important keys into that verse. For the Son of Man has come to seek and save the lost. The Son of Man has come to seek, which defines his life, and to save, which, which that is lost, which defines his death. And I told you that this morning. The Son of Man came to seek and save. You can't save <coughs> until you have a bad cough. You can't save what you can't find. You can't save what you can't seek out, all right? So he came to seek out the lost people. He said that a phys- uh, uh, sick people need a physician. Well, people don't. He came to seek out those that were sick, all right? Those that were lost, sick in our sinful selves, and to save the lost, which defines his death. Now, there's three Ps I want you to remember. Jason's going to put those up for us. Three Ps that we're going to talk about tonight, all right? Promise. Purpose and provision. These are the three P's of the Savior. Promise, purpose, and provision. So the first one is the promise of the Savior. Let's go back and look at Luke 2.11. Today in the city of David, a Savior was born for you who is the Messiah, the Lord. The promise follows Isaiah's Old Testament prophecy that I read for you this morning that we opened up in 9.6, which is what we talked about this morning. Now, I'm going to read 9.6 because I read it to you this morning. But this is hundreds of years before this prophecy took place, hundreds of years before the angel uh, presented it again in the New Testament. For a child will be born for us, a son will be given to us, and the government will be on his shoulders. He will be named Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, and Prince of Peace. Now, just months before the birth of Jesus Christ, the angel of the Lord comes to Joseph in Matthew one twenty one and says the same thing. She will give to, to a, she will give birth to a son, and his name will be Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. He will save his people from their sins, not anybody else's, our own individual sins. He will be called Jesus because of that's his personality. Because he came as the Savior, and he's going to save people from their sins. What's your? Why are you getting sprayed up front? Thank you. All right. So that's the promise of the Savior. Let's look at the purpose of the Savior. And I think you know this. That might not be a good idea. I probably can't. I can't talk with that jawbreaker in my mouth. All right. Let me regroup there. I start coughing, I'll put it back in. All right, so let's look at the purpose of the Savior. Luke 2, 11 says, Today in the city of David was born for you, 
who is the Messiah of the Lord. In the gospel, Jesus speaks very frequently about the purpose of his incarnation. Jesus talks multiple times about the reason that he came, to fulfill God's mission, to fulfill God's purpose. But he's very specific when he came, said he came to seek and save that which was lost. All right? So I'm going to ask you this question. Why did Jesus come? All right? And it's six words. I just said them to you. Why did he come? To seek and save the lost. All right? You can say it any way you want. The reason Jesus came was to seek and save the lost, which is all of us. All right? Essentially, he was doing the Father's business. He was doing the Father's mission. He came for that purpose. Now, that is the only, only thing that Jesus left, I wouldn't say undone, but he left unfinished. Okay? And if it was finished, we wouldn't have to share the gospel with anybody, Right? Everybody don't know the gospel yet. Everybody hasn't heard the gospel. So that business is still ongoing. Jesus came for a purpose, and the purpose was to provide a sacrifice, which he completed, so that there would be a once and for all sacrifice for all of our sins. But he left business unfinished because he started and taught and showed us what to do. He, he challenged apostles. He challenged, you want, my, you want this, Greg? So, so that's a little bit of unfinished business. Not that Jesus left anything undone, but he left us something to do. All right? So that's what we need to do. All right. He came out. We read in the Bible that he came to seek out tax collectors, fishermen, demon-possessed individuals, Samaritans, Jews, Gentiles, rich people, poor people, kings, peasants, and everyone in between. He didn't leave anybody out. It says in the Bible he came for how many people? All people, all people, for the Son of Man has come to seek and save that which was lost. In this passage of Scripture, the word seek comes before the word save. That's what I I taught you this morning. Jesus came to seek and save that which was lost. For For the most part, people are running away from Jesus, and he has to seek them out. Very few people are running toward Jesus. Without someone leading them to Jesus, I can't think of people going toward Jesus. Some people are looking for something. But they need somebody to guide them in the right direction. All right? They need a friend. They need somebody to invite them. When people come to church, the, I'd say 99% of people that come to church have been invited by somebody else in the church. Would you agree? So how many of y'all going to invite next week? None? One? Maybe two? We're going to high attendance Sunday next week. I didn't tell you all that yet. I'm going to send that in my email this week. I already gave y'all the Sunday school role. We're going to shoot for a high tenant. <laughs> Why? You can't make a decision before Thursday or after Thursday? I got, I'll check the schedule. I don't find any football games. I don't find any. Is there anything going on to pull anybody? Anybody basketball fans? We might lose a few basketball fans. Ah, I'm just kidding. All right. Anyhow, Luke, we're told about lost sheep, lost coin, and lost son. All of them have to be sought out to be found. All right? Now, Look at this. Let's go back to 1910. For the Son of Man can't, has come to seek and save the lost. I'm going to ask you a question, all right? So in this, look, pull that back up, Luke 1910, Jason, because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to question for y'all. For the Son of Man has come to seek and save that which was lost. 1910. Okay. All right. Let's look at that together, all right? Here's your question. In this, in this passage, there's two actions and one focus. There's two action words and one focus, all right? So let me ask you this. What is the one focus word in this verse of Scripture? 
lost. What are the action words? Seek and save. There's something to be done. There's a target. There's a focal point. There's somebody that needs to be addressed. There's somebody that needs to be talked to. There's somebody that needs to hear the gospel. There's a focal point. And then the action that goes with it to seek and save the lost. All right, Jesus came to this earth on a rescue mission. You're going to relate to this, Greg. Huh? He came on a rescue mission. All right. When we think of our earthly perspective about rescue missions, what do we think about? When we think about rescue missions, what do we think about, Roy? What's going on in a rescue mission? What is taking place? Somebody's in trouble. Somebody needs to be helped out of something. Somebody's in, 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 in a boat that's sinking. Somebody's in a house fire. They can't get out. There's a rescue that needs to take place. Jesus Christ came on a rescue mission. Whether it's somebody clinging onto the capsized boat, miners in the shaft, or firefighters trying to get somebody out of a burning house. There's something in trouble. Somebody needs help. Somebody's got to help them, and somebody's needing help. All right. None of this compares to the tragedy of people who are lost in the rubble of their own sin. In their own darkness. They don't even know about it. You, you think about that? As bad as some of the things that you have seen. As bad as some of the troubles that you've seen. None of that compares to the, to the people who are lost in their own sin. I told you that this morning. Thousands of people die every day going to hell. They're lost in their own sin. And they don't even know it. And somebody's got to share that with them. Somebody's got to tell them about it. Somebody's got to help them understand it. All right? None of that compares to this. All right? Often they don't even know it. But until we're willing to admit to God that we fall far short of his glorious perfection, then whatever Jesus has done for us on the cross will make no difference. He does not force himself upon us. And I said that this morning. We talked about free will. He paid the penalty for our sins, but he waits for us to accept him by faith. It's, it's, it's our turn. I mean, he's, he's already put it out there for us, and it's our turn to accept him. All right? His gift of eternal salvation is for all people. Now let's look at the last P. The provision of the Savior. We've talked about the promise of the Savior, the purpose of the Savior, and now we're going to talk about the provision of the Savior. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. There's a specific moment in which the Lord God was born in humanity, and he arrived through the Virgin Mary. So let's just think about it just a minute. Specific. On a certain day, certain week, certain month, certain year. There's a time when God said, this is it. There's, there's enough going on. It's time for me to send the Savior into the world. It was a chosen day. We call it what, December what? We don't know if it's December 25th or the, or the 19th. Right? It doesn't really matter. It's a specific day set aside that God said it's time for Jesus to arrive. It was a certain place. What kind of place was it? A manger, a stable, a cave, a closet, we know that he came to something that was elements with animals, something that was not clean, something that was not secure. You know, the Bible tells us all that. He came, he came exposed to all the elements. His mother rode for days on a donkey to get there. You know, there was elements. There was heat. There was lack of water a lot of times. I mean, there was a certain time, certain place. He, he was born into this world. The Bible is clear that Jesus' birth is a historic event. And, I, and you know, we talked about that last week when I said, how old do you think Mary was? And, and I said 13, you know, the, it shows 12 to 14. And Wesley said, where's that in the Bible? Huh? Where, still waiting on birth certificate. Well, there's, the Bible is God's word. It's an inspired word, and it is 100% true. But there's a lot of history that has to take place to uncover 
other things because the Bible is not specific on everything. And so you can take history and you can take time in, in history and you can relate to things and you can anticipate ages and you can anticipate other things. Not that they're accurate. That's why I said it's estimated, okay? But it doesn't clear cut. But, but everything that I have read points to her being 13 years old or year thereabouts. But anyhow, that's part of it. That's part of understanding. That's when you dig into the Scripture. That's when you use study Bibles. That's when you use other valid resources to help you uncover what's going on in the Bible. Because the thing is, is if you read the King James Bible, how much of it would you understand? You see what I'm saying? So reading the Bible and not understanding it is no value. You have to understand what you're reading or you'll get no value. Just because you have a King James Bible laying on your coffee table. And every once in a while you open it up and read John 3.16. Which you understand that because we've been taught that one, right? You understand the 23rd Psalm. Because it's come out of King James. Because that's the ones we learn. But to, to understand the gist of it, you've got to be able to understand it in order to be able to apply it to your life. Okay? All right. The birth is not only the beginning of a spiritual force, but is it a person who had an actual birthday? Jesus Christ came into this world as a human being and had an actual birthday. All right? So, birthdays are meant to be celebrated, to honor the individual. It means so much to us. I can't think of a single birthday that has more value in celebrating than the earthly birthday of Jesus Christ. Can you? All right, let me ask y'all a question. What is the one of the most important gifts you can give someone on their birthday? I, there's not a right and wrong answer here. I'm just asking. Y'all tell me, what, what is the most important thing you can give somebody on their birthday? Huh? Love. What was the other one? Time. What else? Jewelry? No, I'm just kidding. Time, yourself, attention, uh, moments together. You know, those are important things. Sometimes material things are one thing, but sometimes people just want time together. They want to celebrate together. They want to be acknowledged. They want to be loved. Those are important things. The birth of Jesus is fulfillment of an Old Testament prophecy. We talked about Isaiah. We talked about Malachi. It's in there many, many times. It's the fulfillment of the promise of God to mankind. It's one of God's promises to us that, that he's going to send us a son, a savior, and he's going to send us a redeemer. All right? Jesus Christ is our savior. God entered humanity so that humanity would be able to enter into heaven. All right? The birth of Jesus, while it happened at a point in time, begins something that will never end. It's never going to end. It began, and it's never going to end until Christ comes again, and then it's not going to end. We're going to celebrate, and we're going to rejoice with him, and we're going to reign with him when he returns, all right? Now, listen to this. Christmas blues is something that's called sad syndrome. And you might have had that, but it's seasonal affective disorder, all right? We must stop thinking about Christmas and start thinking about Christ. If you ever see the word Christmas and somebody's taking an X and putting Christ and called it Xmas. That's one of the one things that bothers me more than anything in the world because it's taking Christ out of Christmas. We need to stop thinking about Christmas and start thinking about Christ instead of Christmas. Now here's some things. Here's some things about Christ. He was our prophet. And what I tell you about prophets, what do prophets talk about? What do they tell you? Foretelling. What did I say this morning about that? 
Yeah. All right, so foretelling telling of things to come in the near and the distant future. Jesus Christ was a prophet. He did tell us what was going to take place. He told us about things that were going to take place. He told us about what he was here for. He told us about his death. He told us about his resurrection. He even told about things beyond that. So he was a prophet. Prophets tell us that. All right. He is our high priest. What's the high priest doing? He's sitting beside the Father doing what? Interceding for us. Just like I told you Wednesday night, what's he saying? When, when Carrie messes up, he says, God, that's my son. That's my child. I died for him. You know, that's what I did. I did it for him. All right? All right? He's, he's interceding for us. He's our king. He's a master. He's the bridegroom. He's the good shepherd. He's the holy one. He is Emmanuel, which is God with us, and he is named Jesus. Let me tell you a couple things. All right, one more slide, but I've got to tell you a couple things. John introduced him as the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. That's John 1, 29. All right. The Magi recognized him as the king of the Jews in Matthew 2, 2. Thomas called him my Lord, my God in John 20, 28. Christmas is all about Christ. All right. Jason put that one up for me. It isn't about the presence. It's all about his presence. And I would have told you that, but I wanted Jason to put it up because presence and presence are two words you might say, well, he's saying the same word. It's about God's presence. It's about Jesus Christ being with us. It's about calling him home to us, having him being in there with us, cutting the turkey with him. You know what I'm saying? We want Jesus in there with us. It's about his presence with us. Emmanuel, God with us. You may not have family member close by, you know, and you probably do because Pine Hill Church is all big family, right? So y'all, what is that, like 50 down there at, at Grandma's house, Marion? When y'all eat Christmas Day, what do y'all have? 50 or 60 people down there? Huh? Yeah. So me and Patty, I have two. (laughs) But we get to go see her. So, but anyhow, so anyhow, you may not have family nearby, but guess what? Your Heavenly Father is always nearby. God with us. He's right here with us, all right? He's he's happy. He's proud of you. When you share the gospel with somebody, you go, I can't do it, man, but I got to. I got to tell you about Jesus. Man, he's smiling when you tell it. When you do it, he's he loving it, all right? All right. When you get depressed, refocus your attention on the one who loves you more than you can imagine, the one who cares for you, the one who came to this earth to be your Savior. Christmas will be a tough time. It's going to be tough for some people this year. they got lost family members. It's going to be tough to get through Christmas, but you can't get through it without God the Father. If you lean on him, he'll help you get through it, Okay. Amen. All right. Any comments? All right. Let me pray, and then we'll be dismissed for the evening. Father God, I thank you for this day. God, I thank you for this church. I thank you for this body of believers, God, that want to know more about you. God, want to learn more about you, want to grow closer to you. God, just pray for every one of them. I pray for those that are not with us tonight, God, for different reasons, whether whether there's sickness, whether there's uh, just distance, God, just I pray that you would touch them. And God, I just pray for the growth of this church. I pray, Father, that not that we'll grow numerically, God, but we'll grow spiritually. That we'll grow closer to you. We'll go closer with you. And God, we'll, we'll help people know more about you. And God, that's the ultimate purpose of us being Christians and being believers. God, we want to tell people about you. We want to show your love to other people and want people to know you better. Father, I pray for this week. God, I pray for those that are having testing, those that are having uh, situations, those that are having uh, physical therapy, comfort. I just pray, God, that you'll just help them. 
God, any surgeries that are on the horizon, I pray that you would comfort those as well. And God, that we would feel your presence. God, go with us. Just help us to lead us. God, help us to always be our, keep our eyes focused on you and everything we see and we do. Thank you for, for loving us. These things I ask in your son's precious and holy name. Amen.